Do you hate your job? Of course you do. So do Liz and Noah. Now it's time to join their conversation so you can figure out how to quit your soul-crushing job. When Can I Quit My Job, episode 33. Hey guys, I'm excited to have our first interview today. It's with a good friend of mine. His name is Alan Jones. I met Alan at the first boot camp we ever attended in Orlando, Florida. He's based out of Orlando. He's got his master's in accounting from Florida, and he is the attestation and consulting manager locally in, in Orlando. Bear with me in our first interview. There are some technical hiccups working with Skype, which apparently Skype sucks, but uh, we mid-interview, we had to switch over to using Facebook, but the content's worth it. Stick around, listen to everything. Alan's a great guy. I've been working with him since the very beginning, and uh, you can hear perspective of another land investor. So, okay, well, I guess I kind of want to start with, do you have like a, a story about when you were working? Well, so did you get a job straight out of college? I did, yeah. So I graduated in May of 2009, um, okay. and I had a job lined up in November of 2009. So in the in-between time, I studied for the CPA exam and took that. But then, yeah, so pretty much right after college, I started working. Okay. And did you tell me once that you did like an internship there and you kind of knew you were going to get that job or something like that? Um, no, I didn't do an internship there. I just interviewed in college. The accounting program has a lot of like on-campus interviews for the different accounting firms. So I had the job lined up like a year in advance. Oh, okay. So pretty uh, secure. Yeah. That's good. So I guess, do you have a story of like when you decided to start building a business or for you, was it more just kind of to make your excess income work for you or speak to that, I guess? So I started out, I was getting into rewards for hotel programs and airlines miles mm -hmm. and doing different things, opening credit cards, which I always recommend doing your full research and not opening up or getting credit card debt. But uh, sure. you can use those to your advantage to rack up miles and points. So I had kind of learned about that. And I also had a friend at work who was teaching me about how he would buy stuff that from like Office Max, which was around at the time and staples mm -hmm. that were free after a rebate. So he would buy them. Mm -hmm. um, and then he would sell them on eBay and then get the rebate. So it was just like making a small profit with okay. basically no skin in the game. Like what, so, what kind of dollar value on those types of items? It was pretty small for the most part. Like on a weekly basis, they may have, you know, a couple of reams of paper or uh, just a stapler or something. But mm -hmm. around tax time each year, they did a software extravaganza. So you could okay. buy one of like each type of software. And it was all free after rebate. And it was kind of a pain to file it, but I mean, it was worth it. So yeah, got like $800 worth of software that was free after rebate. So I took the UPC codes out and then sold them on eBay for maybe $400. Um, yeah. So wow. <laughs> you know, I wasn't making a ton of money doing it, but it was yeah. fun. And I was combining that with the uh, reward stuff. So I yeah. racked up millions of rewards points that I've used over the years to go on um, you know, first class uh, flights to Europe and Africa and really cool wow so it kind of started like that and i would eventually morphed into me more buying and selling stuff like on amazon okay. uh, which they call retail arbitrage if you want to look into so that was fun for a while too so the essence of that was i'd just buy something that was on sale on whatever online store and then i would sell it on amazon for a higher price um, and that was good for a while but then amazon made it much tougher for people to do that and they started encourage people encouraging people to have their own products so oh, okay um, i probably did that how they for, discourage like, people 
three years. They restricted third-party sellers from selling a lot of name brands. So I was just starting to get into shoes. So like I would sell some, would have a sale, and I'd get some, a pair of Nikes for 30 and then sell them on Amazon for list price, which is 60 or 70 bucks. So that's just one example. But I, yeah. my garage was full of crap. <laughs> yeah. Had all type different stuff. But that's just an example of it. But then one day they just stopped allowing people to sell Nike. So whatever you had in your garage at the time or warehouse, or whatever you're doing, uh-huh. you were stuck with. Oh, that um, sucks. Yeah, that gave no warning. And they kept doing that with different brands uh, up to the point where I decided it was no longer really worth it to keep pursuing that, um, especially in light of me discovering the land geek and buying and selling land, which I thought was ultimately had more potential. Yeah. So how deep into the Amazon game were you? I, I guess I kind of assume you still do the, the rewards, like rewards, credit cards, and that kind of thing. Yeah, but... yeah, I do it a little bit still, but not nearly to the scale that I used to. And Just... part of this, we bought a house this past year, so they say not to open up credit cards within like a year or two of doing that, so I had to slow okay. down there. Um, yeah. But yeah, I started that whole thing back in like 2012, Amazon like in 2014, and then uh, I discovered the land stuff's Right around my second daughter was born in 2016. Um, that was when I decided to get the toolkit from the Land Geek. And well, how'd you first hear about the land business? I remember actually very vividly. I was um, driving to meet my wife at the doctor. We were getting a sonogram done for my daughter, who you know, she was still in my wife's stomach at the time. So <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I was driving all the way to the sonogram, and I was listening to the Side Hustle Nation podcast, okay. uh, which is great. And um, someone came on there and they were talking about how they're buying cheap land for a couple hundred bucks and selling it for a couple thousand or whatever. And yeah, I was pretty much hooked from there. I was just shocked that you could even do that for one and <laughs> yeah, two, the kind of margins that some of these people were talking about. So yeah, um, we're getting there equally excited about, you know, seeing my daughter on screen and also about, you know, learning more about <laughs> selling land. Yeah. So did you kind of, were you convinced right away when you heard that? I wasn't necessarily convinced but i was very excited so it led me to do some more research and try to search around more just to make sure it was legit and that this whole land gate thing wasn't a scam uh, yeah kind of looks like it is when you go to a site yeah um, it does but I've, i found <laughs> enough people that <laughs> i found yeah. enough people that recommended it and he had a mm-hmm. facebook group so i on there and it seemed like it was legit so I took the plunge yeah and how important was like connecting with other people before you decided to take the plunge yourself yeah so i didn't necessarily connect with anyone i didn't talk to anyone about it but i just found enough people like on message boards and facebook okay. that were active and it would be real the things they were saying so it would have been nice to connect with someone at first but mm-hmm. i didn't necessarily connect but it was great to know that it was a real thing and not just some yeah, scam yeah. for sure and so do you i know you said you have some rewards credit cards and everything like that i recently mm-hmm. had a had a podcast talking about shiny objects syndrome and i wonder if you <laughs> do any other side hustles simultaneously or if you are really focused on the land no i'm just focused on the land now i had stopped doing that amazon thing when back when i first discovered land i was kind of doing both amazon and land mm-hmm. uh, but then i saw that land had a lot more potential and that was the time sure. that Amazon was making it much harder for third-party sellers, so yeah, uh, the stars just kind of aligned and want to focus on land. So not really selling on Amazon anymore. Every now and then I'll post okay. something small on eBay, but it's yeah minor. Yeah, and I I've mentioned to you a, a couple of times that I do I've been dabbling with like sports cards on eBay and stuff like that, and it's it's a fun hobby, but it doesn't have near the re- 
return for the time invested for sure. So I'm probably going to start weaning myself off of that (laughs) for the long term anyway. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So say again what your job title is and what kind of what that entails uh, briefly for layman for on layman terms. So the short of it is I'm a CPA. I do a little bit of taxes. When most people hear CPA, they think all they do is taxes, but I do mostly other stuff like corporate accounting and financial statements and auditing, stuff like that, um, with a little bit of taxes thrown in. So I do that and some uh, business consulting as well. Okay. And you actually, well, you enjoy that somewhat, is that right? Yeah, somewhat. I wouldn't say I'm passionate about it. I like dealing with numbers and I really enjoy the aspect of meeting people. There's anything I can help and there's various parts of what I like, but I wouldn't say it's something I'm passionate about and yeah. Really love doing. Okay. So is there any overlap between what you do uh, uh, at your soul crushing job <laughs> with the land business? <laughs> yeah. So I'd say there's definitely some overlap. I wouldn't say it's a lot, but some things like dealing with Excel, I've become very used to through my accounting work. So when it came mm-hmm. to scrubbing a list, um, after doing mm-hmm. county research and getting a list of properties, it was like second nature for me to go through and pick those out and format everything because they give them to you in very ugly formats I'm sure you've seen before. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. They um, have yeah. you ever paid for a list? And then, yeah, I have. Yeah. Actually, yeah, the first one I ever got, I paid, I think, 100 bucks for. Okay. I've gotten one or two for free, and then recently what I've been doing is just hire someone on Upwork to type in the parcel, but not an exorbitant amount. Oh, so the name of your land business is Mr. Jones and Me. So give me your give me your long-term vision for, for Mr. Jones and Me your land business. Hey guys, I just want to take a quick second and share with you a new project I just put together. This is a compilation of angry voicemails set to some epic music. I think you'll enjoy the sample. I think you'll enjoy the full thing even more. Yeah, I received some sort of a purchase agreement. You sent us an offer for $450? You guys send me a fucking thing about my property. Looks like a scam. We will sell this land when we are good and ready to sell this land. So I'm pretty proud of this project. At the time I told Liz it was the greatest thing I've ever done. You'll definitely want to hear the full version on our Patreon page. Go check it out. Now back to the show. Yeah, so the... Biggest thing I'd like to do is get my wife to the point where she's either retired or working part-time. Right now, she is an engineer for NASA, which is awesome. But the problem with it is Kennedy Space Center is over an hour away from our house. So between it being a stressful job and having a long commute every day, it makes things difficult. And, uh, you know, the kids are in school around here. So if they ever get sick, it's always on me to have to pick them up. And that's fine, but I'd love to get to the point where we're both flexible and can pick them up or attend their school events or whatever it, yeah. the thing is. So do you see this, I mean, do you have kind of a goal? Do you see it being your main source of income at some point in the future? Do you know, like, a timeline if that is the case? So, yeah, I don't know if it'll ever be my sole source of income. Um, I'd love to get to the point where we're both part-time. And something I hadn't mentioned previously on this call was that uh, back in 2016, I went from being full-time in accounting to my current job, which is kind of pseudo part-time. I average probably like 30 hours a week. Um, And that varies drastically depending on the time of year. But I don't mind that so much because it's flexible. And if I miss a day or a sick kid is sick or whatever, it's not a big deal. I can make up the hours later. So um, uh, most likely I would 
probably see us both getting that kind of arrangement or something similar okay. as opposed to just completely retiring. But yeah, I mean, if this ever took off, I wouldn't be opposed to that idea. Yeah. But realistically, but not... I think we'll probably both keep working. Okay. But so, yeah, it's not like written down on paper or one of your, one of your plans in the next five years or anything like that. No, there was a time when I had a deadline to get my wife retired, but Mm-hmm. It's quickly approaching, and it's not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so I've kind of modified things a little bit and uh, changed expectations to be a little more realistic. So. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't want to brag, but uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> we could we could hit my original goal before we ever sent out a mailer of when I quit my job and when Liz quits her job, if things continue to to grow. But that is so awesome. Yeah, <laughs> I put I put mine in June of this year, and I quit at the end mm-hmm. of May, and I put yeah. Liz at June of 2021, which seems okay. very realistic at this point. Yeah. So, and and as I said, it's it's different for us because we don't have that much of a salary to replace to begin with, so mm-hmm. uh, it makes it a little easier for us, but um, enough about me. So I guess I want to get kind of an overview of like your your numbers for your business. So first off, give me a, a broad estimate of how much you think you've invested into the land business, including like your purchases and your operating expenses. So I remember back when I first started that whole free after rebate thing, I okay. put 2500 into the business. Okay. And that's all I put into it and I haven't really taken much out. So I went from about 2500 up to about 10,000 I think uh, by the time I'd started doing land. So again, wow. it's not like I had was doing it up to retire off of, but it was sure. enough that I was making some money on the side and getting a buttload of <laughs> rewards yeah. points. Um yeah. so I started with about Ten thousand. If you don't, land business you, and you can um, you you can plead the fifth on this if you want. But would that be tax free mm-hmm. earnings? Tax free is that what you said? Yeah, you're yeah. Uh, no, what you were doing with I, Amazon. You claimed it. Yeah, I claimed it. I guess. Yeah, they ten ninety nine <laughs> you, so you don't have much of a choice. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I, I was just wondering about that. Your your ethics as <laughs> an accountant. <laughs> Sorry, continue. <laughs> yep. <laughs> So yeah, I started with about ten thousand when we started the land business, and it's not too hard to use that up pretty quickly. Oh no! So I bought up land and sold it, and uh, at this point, I think the bank account's down to like five thousand. But then, of course, I've got a bunch of notes coming in. Now I've got probably about forty or fifty thousand dollars worth of notes that are due to me over the next couple of years. Plus, I've got about eleven thousand dollars worth of land that's um, sitting out there that I've not sold yet. So wow. Uh, that that's just to kind of show that those numbers can grow pretty quick doing this type of business and yeah these notes are you know helpful so yeah my strategy's been just to keep all the money pretty much in the business and let it grow organically and see where it goes that's great and i know we talked in the past about profit first have and i know you've thought about it and last mm-hmm. i heard you hadn't implemented it is that something you are planning to implement anytime soon yes definitely i think once i get the passive income income up Probably around three thousand or thirty five hundred. So I'd definitely like to start taking out more uh, that we can use ourselves. What, but sorry, what's your passive income at now? Uh, it's around nineteen hundred. Nineteen hundred a month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. So you took twenty five hundred dollars in what? What did you say? Two thousand fourteen. 
That was probably 2014, 2013, somewhere around there. And now off of that $2,500, you're earning 1900 a month and have $50,000 in contracts and another $11,000 in land waiting to be sold? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Pretty <laughs> when good. When you say it like that, it sounds... <laughs> kind of crazy but yeah 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 that's that is amazing i guess that most people would have been pretty damn proud of themselves for turning into ten thousand dollars in a couple years take that stock market (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's right so um and do you have so did you did you say how many that 1900 passive income how many how many notes did you say that was i believe that is 14 13 okay most of them are like 100 a month i've got one or two that are 200, so probably averages up. So I don't know what the math is on that, 150 a month or so. Yeah, and what what kind of operating expenses do you have right now for your land business? Depends a lot on how much I'm mailing. So yeah. there are times like during uh, the busy season for accountants, which is, well, for me, it's like November through April. I don't do a whole lot of mailing, so expenses mm-hmm. are pretty low. I've got a couple subscriptions to different, I've got a selling site and then a note servicing site, so that's a combined mm-hmm. 200 bucks or so and the mailing is completely variable so it could be anywhere from zero if i'm not mailing which i don't recommend yep um all the way up to three or four hundred bucks a month okay so you're under a thousand so you're you're yes taking home uh at least half of your passive income to to growing your your base of in or your base of wealth for the company yeah exactly so i'm just basically using that access to buy up more properties yeah so yeah you're looking at being able to buy basically a property a month and run your business pretty much right yes yep pretty much wow and then the occasional cash sale helps yeah i didn't i didn't tell you but i've got a nice cash sale uh that's gonna be closing through title here this week i just signed the contract from the title company and everything so nice give, give us some numbers yeah uh okay so i bought it for this is when I was still buying land for more than I should be. And mm-hmm. I bought two adjacent properties that were 2.35 acres for a total of 4.7 acres. And I sold that on a contract for about $11,000. And um, we got about $1,800 into it. And the guy disappeared. Well, he didn't disappear. He moved, ran into financial issues. I tried to work with him for several months and he never made a payment, which means he defaulted the land back to me. And then I took it and I made a deal of the week on it because I'd already earned half my money back. So did a deal of the week, try to get some cash. I offered it for 7000 and this guy emailed me and said, what's your bottom dollar? I said, if you pay me by next week, 6500 So he went and got a title company. And so, yeah, I'll be taking home 6500 for him, which is about 8300 total uh, for, and I bought it for 3600 So not nice crazy margins, but... I'll take the 6500 and run <laughs> at this point. Yeah, especially considering the, the speed of which that all happened. So, oh, yeah. I mean, it was yeah. like a year ago that you bought it? Uh, yeah, uh, maybe a little closer to a year and a half. Yeah. Okay. So you can we, double we, your money or and more yeah. in yep. that time span. That's pretty good. And it, Yeah, I'll take it. And, and my mind totally changed over time about um, notes versus cash just because – so I could sell like, – like I said, I had that on a contract for $11,000, and I just sold it for mm-hmm. – 
close to half that, but now I can do it again. Like it was a, I had like five years left on the contract. Now Mm -hmm. I can take that, flip it again, flip it again, flip it again, flip it again. I can make so much more money if I just sell on cash terms because I can do it so many more times. Exactly. Yeah, it took me a while to realize that because I'm like, why would I sell it for only $5,000 when I can get a contract for eight? But Mm -hmm. the timing makes all the difference. Yeah, it totally does. And it's also, I guess, part of function of the market for where I'm working. It seems like there's no cash buyers out there anywhere, but people want to pay on terms. So, um. Hey guys, I want to take a quick second to play a clip of our newest Patreon bonus content. The full length audio of this is about one minute long and it is not bleeped on our Patreon page. All you have to do is become a $5 a month patron, uh, and you can listen to this uncensored. Man, fuck you, cocksucking faggot motherfuckers. Why don't you motherfuckers eat shit and fucking die? How about that? Like I said, it's just a small clip. If you'd like to hear the part about finding us and feeding us to crocodiles, go over to Patreon. Now back to the show. Right. It's just yeah. kind of a, a crapshoot to an extent. <laughs> I must, but the I don't cash know. sales are the best. Yeah. I must have a magic mailing list because... <laughs> or I'm doing something wrong. Uh, I don't know. Who knows? It it, yeah. it could ebb and flow, too. It could be the total opposite the second half of the year for us. I might get yep. all terms. You might get all sales. Yep. But, uh, yeah, right now, I'm loving it. So, And that brings me to another cash sale that I've been waiting on for a little while that you might have some in- insight into. Um, <laughs> <laughs> let's tell a little tale about a a lot oh, from boy. North Carolina. <laughs> yes. So a nightmarish tale. <laughs> yeah. Yep, it is. So uh to refresh the listeners memory, my very first lot I ever bought, I mentioned on this show, I <laughs> I bought uh, with another land investor and that land investor was Alan and so yep. get us a really broad overview up to date. Where are we? with this lot in North Carolina. Okay, so we paid a lot more than we usually pay for land because it's in a uh, not a rural area. It's a nice area of North Carolina. It's in a gated community, which is not like our other properties that we mm-hmm. typically buy or sell. Um, so we bought it. Should have gone through a title company. Did not. That was a stupid decision, number one. We marketed it for a while, and we found a buyer. We went to the title uh, piece of it, and then they said that there was an issue with the title. So the attorney and North, came back. North Carolina... And, they have to what what's it's different in North Carolina. What's the difference? They have to use an attorney or something? Yeah, it's the title company doesn't do it. The title company basically is sent the file from an attorney. So attorney has to do the title search and they have to uh, essentially guarantee it. Okay. Sorry, so continue. That was what was that's, that's okay. So that's what we're in that's the part of the process we were in and he found some issue with the chain of title, so I said, okay, tell me how to fix it. And so I called him on the phone, and he gave me, in broad terms, what to do. So I tracked down these people in Kansas City and California that owned the property years ago, and I got them to do what he said, and I even hired an attorney to do it just to double-check my work. And I got these people to sign. We filed it. Here I am thinking we're good. And then that same original attorney says, uh, no, this is actually worse, which I don't get. And he said, <laughs> You got to find someone else to clean this mess, and then we never heard from him again. Like that was—he just cut us off. It was yeah. crazy. Feel free to so, use colorful language. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I went back to my attorney, and he kind of assured me that no, it's definitely did not make things worse. But I think this—the moral of the story is there's a lot of complex issues that go into the, uh, title insurance and that whole process. So 
be careful with it if you're just getting into this land business. But just to update people, yeah. the buyer is still, as far as I know, going to buy it from us, but he's trying to find another attorney who will uh, agree to ensure the title, so he's going to do that. And then he wants to do a perk test on the property and make sure that he can install a septic system. Then if that all happens, then we'll get paid for it. So. <laughs> And uh, barely, we'll make we'll make a little profit. We'll make yeah. What? Well, we owe taxes on it now. Is that? Yeah, we do. We gotta pay our taxes. <laughs> so what? We'll end up making what seventeen, sixteen hundred or something per person each. Yeah, which is not worth the headache that it's been. So no. Let all the listeners know. I apologize for dragging you into this. No. <laughs> not my finest moment. I'm an adult. I made the decision. <laughs> no, it's. <laughs> <laughs> the, well, yeah, so there were some red flags. It was not in an area either one of us were familiar with. So that's one. It has a significant homeowner as- association uh, fee of $600 a year, right? Yep. And um, we should have closed through title, I guess. I don't know. We bought it for, what, 36 or oh so 72 72-ish, uh, right around there yeah yeah when you include the HOA fees yeah okay yeah so i guess yeah the the recommendation is if it's five thousand dollars or more you get closed through title yeah just to protect yourself from shit like this yes <laughs> yeah yeah the question the question i have written down here is how did we fuck up and that's kind of what we're talking about now so um yeah <laughs> And we bought from another land investor, which and he was great. I, I don't blame him for any of this, for the record. I, yeah, know, he's listening, but I'm sure he is. Um, he's easy to work with, and I don't blame him for any of the stuff that's happening. But we should have done our yeah. due diligence a little more circularly, and yep. uh, a lot of lessons to be learned from it. Don't just jump into this without doing your proper due diligence. Also, it's yep. nice that in the end we'll probably still make a profit on what will be our greatest mistake so far in the land business. So silver lining. If that's your worst yep. mistake, that's not too bad. Yeah. Yep. And it's been a long learning process, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, this has been the only one that's dragged on like this. It did take me, it took me a long time to get my first sale and I didn't even make my first sale. Someone else made my f- first sale for me. And then, um, <laughs> yeah, like I said, I, I had four sales last year, but I mean, I did the land business all year so it was a it was a learning process for sure yep it is so okay we need to get that one closed but anyway um yes we do (laughs) um so i guess advice for somebody looking into this or starting well first okay let's start off with yourself if you would do something different about the way you approached or began the land business is there anything that sticks out in your mind hmm i that's a good question. I think the thing to tell beginners, and that I'm even still having to tell myself now, is that this land is a lot harder to sell than sometimes they might make it sound. Like, you don't just mm-hmm. post an ad on Craigslist and suddenly this land sells itself. Yeah. Um, that's not really the case. These things are it's pretty much barren land, and you got to make sure to convey the possibilities that can come with that. And you have sure. to place a lot of ads, and you've got to talk to a lot of people before you get to a sale. So. Oh, yeah. Uh, I would definitely say the sales part is not as easy as it can sound, but no. if you work hard enough at it, it can, it'll definitely happen. How many people on average would you say you talk to per piece of land that you sell? How many interested buyers, quote unquote, interested? So back before, yeah, back before Facebook Marketplace, it was probably like 15 to 20, but now that we're posting mm-hmm. on Facebook Marketplace, there's yeah. people that'll just 
say, is this available, and then they'll disappear. So yep. if you count those, it's probably tripled, <laughs> probably yeah. at least 100 before you yeah. get a real person. I, I should have these actual metrics, and I should record them, but I don't. So just kind of spitballing yeah. numbers there. but Yeah, I think 100 is a fair estimate. And yeah. I think, I didn't tell you this, I think I, I think I realized why we never get responses from Craigslist. Why? So when I first set it up, and I set it up, Probably, I mean, we started mail mailing right after that first boot camp at the end of October and beginning November, and that's mm-hmm. when I set up my Facebook accounts and, or sorry, my Craigslist accounts, and uh-huh. I set them up in all areas around, like right around the places I was investing in Mojave and Costilla. And mm-hmm. I might have done a couple larger markets, but not anywhere like I should. So, like, most of the places we're mailing are small little towns. Yeah. So, at least half of them anyway. I mean, I did, like, a, I think I did, like, um, in Atlanta, one in California, one in, like, Bridgeport, Connecticut or something like that. But... Mm-hmm. I think more than half of them are in like Yuma and San Luis, which is like 20 people live there. And like, (laughs) (laughs) I I didn't realize. And now, and now we don't do the, I don't even, I don't even fully know how our Craigslist is working right now because the company we got our proxies through, I don't, we don't pay them anymore. And I don't even know if they're in business anymore, but Liz somehow (laughs) still uses them, uses the proxies. I don't even know if it's working the right way, but I guess that's why I'm paying somebody else to do Craigslist ads yeah. for us now. <laughs> yeah, and that might be worth it. It's, Craigslist is a pain for sure, and they're very picky about where you post from. And yeah. yeah it's, it can be rewarding, but it's definitely a pain to get there. I've still, my streak continues. I've still never sold a piece of land on Craigslist. I've, I've probably gotten. That's so crazy. That... Yeah. We get maybe one or two leads a week, and Liz posts five ads, well, 25 a week, I think. 25 or 30 a week ads. That's really good for her. Yeah, that's, that's your good. job. Yeah. <laughs> and then and then the guy we pay does, I don't know, I think you said he did like 38, and I don't know if that's 38 a week or 38 a day, but he hasn't sold shit for me yet, so it's got to be 38 a week probably. Yeah. But um, Yeah, I've noticed the response rate on Craigslist has definitely gone down since I started doing it a couple years it? ago. Yeah. I got a nice response from Craigslist uh, yesterday in big capital letters and no punctuation. It said, fuck you. That was it? That, that someone was it. responding to your ad? Yep. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I didn't respond to that one. but. <laughs> and then. <laughs> what is the point? Huh? I don't know. I don't know. Some other they made guys, onto a podcast. The, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then, like, the day before that, I got one that said, fucking hilarious, uh, you call f- five acres a ranch, thanks for the laugh, something like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. I was going to... There's a lot of rude people out there. Yeah, there there are. I was like, hey, it's a piece of land, you can put animals on it, that's a ranch, buddy. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> I, I like the way, I, um, after I bought my first five acre property, I, I felt like I got a better response when I put ranch in the title, so I just started putting ranch in the title all the time five acre five uh-huh. acre ranch sounds better than five acre lot yeah absolutely yeah so um i guess yeah any 
I was going to say, you kind of combined my last two questions. So I was going to ask what your best piece of advice for a newbie was. Well, how about oh. this instead? Okay. What's the what's the single change you made in your business since you started that you noticed the most results from? Results. And I guess I would say either in terms of actual sales. Um, I guess it could be with getting interested sellers as well. Yeah. So uh, okay. I think I'm going to answer that in two parts. All right. Um, one, if you're looking at results for time saving, I think the biggest mm, thing I've done yeah. is hire an intake manager. I did that within the last, sometime within the last year, last several How months. How much does that cost? Um, and she helps with, uh, she's not that much. She's like minimum wage, basically, like 10 okay. bucks an hour. And she talks to the sellers and gets the paperwork already. She doesn't do the due diligence piece, but at least I don't have to, get on the phone with the sellers all the time when I'm at work or I'm busy. She's doing that for me and she's filing the deeds with the county. So in terms of time savings and just headache savings, I think that would be the biggest thing. Okay. And then in terms of sales, I think when I realized that I should just try to be in as many places as I possibly can, that was when sales started happening more frequently, okay. which I know that's kind of a vague answer. But at first I was really just doing Craigslist and that was all I was really posting to and I'd get the occasional sale, but once I realized I should be trying to get my name out there as much as I can, and I started in Facebook by sell groups and mm -hmm. uh, Facebook Marketplace and stayed on Craigslist and got on Landmoto and set up my own website and just stuff like that. Uh, eBay is another one. Yeah, Things started to happen more frequently, and they were spread out, so it gave me reassurance that each one of those platforms works in its own way, um, sure. and I shouldn't be relying on any one of those uh, platforms. Yeah. That's that's really good advice, and I've talked about that on here, how I don't like the fact that we've gotten almost all of our sales from Facebook because something could change and that could go away, and then mm -hmm. then it's going to be rough. Yep. So. Yeah, you can always adapt, but it's better to stay ahead of the game and you know, if something like that happens, then you've got other outlets already. How about Landmodo? Are you still on that? Did you do the year? I, I am. I didn't do the year, but I am still on it. I uh, do their uh, whatever the highest tier of membership is, and platinum. It's yeah. So I don't get a lot of leads in terms of quantity, but the ones that I do get are very mm -hmm. good. So yeah, I hadn't heard from anyone on there in like two months, but I got one yep. today, and he asked me to call him, and I called him and had like a thirty-minute conversation with him, and he's very nice. interested. So uh, cool. You know, if I can close by only talking to one guy, but it's one guy every two months, then yeah, <laughs> it's still totally worth it. So oh sure. We'll see how yeah. it goes. Yeah, I think I've gotten four or five leads and haven't closed any of them. And that's been, mm -hmm. I don't know, I've been on there maybe six months. Yeah, but, yeah um, I, I started when he first opened it up to third parties and I didn't get anything for like six months either. And then I quit for about a year. And uh, I think he had worked on it and so now I've been on it again for I don't know, nine months now probably. Mm -hmm. And I've gotten two or three sales from it. Which nice. makes it totally worth it. So sure, that's what I figured. Yeah, it was four hundred and some four hundred eighty dollars or something like that. Less than five hundred dollars for a year of platinum. So I I thought if it gets me one sale that I wouldn't have otherwise gotten. Yeah, one sale over like two or three years makes it worth it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which I'm on pace for right now. I think. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but well, thanks for. Being uh, a guinea pig, being our first interviewee on the show. Um, I'm honored. Well, we're we're glad to have you. I'm sure we'll have you again sometime, uh, especially if we if we get a chance to come and and visit you in Florida. It'd be fun to do one of these. Oh yeah, a uh, live heck yeah. recording. 
Yep, yep. So <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. That would be fun. And we could do that with some drinks, too. So we'll make it oh, yeah, more fun. even better. Yeah. <laughs> Loosen us up a little bit. Awesome. So that was my interview with Alan Jones. I'll link to his website. I apologize again for the technical difficulties. Hopefully things will run smoother next time. See you next Monday. Thanks for listening to When Can I Quit My Job? Please remember to support the show by visiting whencanIquitmyjobshow.com and clicking the Patreon and Amazon links. Also, subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Tell your friends about us. Liz and Noah are not financial or legal advisors, and all information given on this podcast should be consumed for entertainment purposes only.